Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me today is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bruce. How's it going? Keeping warm? Yeah, we're both wearing sweaters. It's definitely cold in New York, but it's not cold where people are counting payrolls. Let me start by saying one of the things I found quite a, kind of heartwarming today was this sort of memory of having looked at U.S. payroll reports at a time where we would get enormous volatility month to month. That hasn't been the case for a long time. Um, and I think, you know, part of the challenge there was to try to identify signal, which there always was some signal from what obviously is also very noisy uh, readings when they, they bounce around that. So I think in the context of, uh, of that thought, um, let's ask the question, what signal do we take from this week's data? Um, we have global data, we have the payroll data, we have other US data. There's just a lot of stuff to talk about here. So Joe, you have to be concise and you have to be, you have to talk fast. <laughs> okay, uh, let's start global. I mean, look, I, I think we've been, um, our, our, our core view has been to push back against the, the, the sense of a near-term recession, right? And, and we've been, we've been uh, kind of pretty adamant about that. I think we, along in the weeds, you and I have been kind of battling with each other where I've been feeling like the odds of a near-term recession, while still not our baseline, have been moving up a little bit. And that is against a backdrop of some of the softening in the consumer data that we've seen. And importantly, some of the, the starting to see some ugly numbers in the industrial production space. That was all kind of, in my mind, raising the, the risks of a near-term recession, even if not getting above 50%. I think you know, the data this week all pretty uniformly push that back down. Um, yep. and, and I think you just go through the list, right? So the global PMIs were uh, one of the things that were weakening pretty sharply up through November. They hinted at a little bit of a tick up in December. And then we got a nice pop in January, pretty broadly based ar around the world. China was a huge step up. I don't know what to think about China. I still put them in their own box because I'm not sure if I believe the data, but it doesn't matter because all the data everywhere else was, was pretty strong. Manufacturing was up a, a little bit, five tenths, but a lot of good data there. New orders picked up a lot. Inventories are collapsing. Those are good signs and certainly not something you expect to see if you're falling into a recession. You don't expect orders to be, to be moving up and output to be moving up, even though inventories are collapsing. So that's all positive. Services really jumped up as well. So that was all very encouraging. Then, of course, in the U.S., we had this gangbuster payrolls report, which was, you know, 517,000 unemployment rate reaching. I don't think it's been lower than this since 1951 is something I, I saw. So, no, 53 uh, years. That's not 1951. I well, I said where. lower than this. Oh, I think it got this. to three, four. Yeah, yeah. right. So okay. I, who cares? It's a long time. Pretty tight labor markets. Uh, but it was everything was good about the report in the sense that it was super strong on the growth side. Average weekly hours uh, jumped up three tenths to 34.7. I'm pretty encouraged to see the employment to population ratio seem to have gotten back. Labor supply also is actually coming back. That's something I think we've been pushing back again, saying don't expect to supply to play a role here. And the part rate moving back up was, I think, encouraging and maybe, you know, keeping a, a lid to some extent on. on well, waiting. let me let me weigh in here just a little bit on the U.S. data. I think to some degree we need to recognize that part of the pushback um, around 
the the dynamic of momentum loss at the end of last year was a sense that there was some potential issues around weather, around seasonality at the holidays and the like. And I and I would say the one we felt most confident about this week bouncing back was the consumption readings and particularly auto sales. And you can check that off. And that was in some ways expected. I think it's harder to put into the context the surprise um, on the employment report, which was so big and is so, as you're noticing, so broad. But I would still be a little careful not to go too far with it in the sense of uh, thinking more that it takes out this sense that we lost a lot of momentum in hours and um, and 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 the jobs, which now you don't don't see that loss of momentum at all, um, and therefore feeling the economy isn't having that kind of you know slide towards a a, a break here. And as you're and as you're saying, I think uh, it's being um, um, complemented with some better news on the supply side. Uh, the um, it's not only on the supply side. If you're trying to talk about the more positive. Uh, story about going forward. And that becomes the issue here. So let me just not obsess over the high frequency data about recession risk. I think most people would agree with us. We kind of took a big step towards reducing those risks here. The question is about what happens next. And on that front, as you noted, um, you had uh, a clear improvement in supply conditions. We had 871, I think, thousand people extra added to the population, which is why uh, the part rate went up uh, uh, last uh, month. Uh, big move up in female par participation rates uh, for prime age workers, um, and you are also seeing uh, in the you know the quarter uh, that finished uh, data on moderating ECI, uh, moderating unit labor cost growth. And you kind of put that together and say, hey, there's a a more positive supply side story there. And I think that's there. However, that has to be very much tempered against the backdrop of even though we found that many more workers, uh, even though the part rate is now higher in a material way, we still have a 3-4 unemployment rate. Uh, we're still sitting here uh, with a very tight labor market. And certainly the hours bounce in January. I mean, if, it, if, it, if it were a tighter labor market, and it's gotten tighter over the past year, right? Why, why is it wages are falling? Shouldn't wages be going up? wages are growing, the pace of wage inflation yeah, is slowing. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, wage inflation. Well, because as we've been describing, there's two sets of things going on here. There's the dislocations and supply-side damage that was done by the pandemic that had an impact not just on goods prices, but also on service prices and wages. Uh, and some of that is unwinding right now. And then I think there is the underlying tightness of the labor market, possibly some shifts in psychology that's playing out. And the, the difficult task, I think, for a forecaster here, and I think it is a difficult task, is to find out how those two uh, forces uh, find uh, a resting point. And uh, we yeah, still let me don't put it differently. It. It's, it's coming down. The question is, it needs to come down more. And how much more is it going to come down? Right. I mean, if there is structural damage there, then then wage inflation is going to stay elevated and elevated. I would even and go let me, further. And let me also just say this. I think that just like there's seasonal noise in the uh, dynamics around uh, activity, there is also on labor costs. So um, when you look at today's employment report, you look at average hourly earnings and you adjust for compositional effects because this was a big month for uh, service sector jobs, particularly low-wage service sector jobs. The fixed weight adjustment was actually up more than four tenths would yeah, be two, I mean, two, I mean, I two months. That's, that's, can I just finish? Can I finish yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? 
two yeah, we'll months of four tenths in a row. Well. And, and we should know that ECI tends to capture big adjustments in early year wage and benefit adjustments. So I think the degree to which we're moderating here needs to be uh, looked at as also potentially having noisiness around the turn of the year until we see, I think, really the first quarter ECI. I don't know we're, if we're, how much we're going to establish that degree to which uh, labor costs have actually uh, moderated here. I don't Is think the noise going to be in the first quarter ECI. Yeah, but first quarter ECI, we're not going to get till April. That's what I'm saying. That's what no, I'm no, saying. but it's going to no. There's a we got a fourth a, quarter ECI, which was which was coming down. Um, the fourth I mean, quarter ECI is I mean, coming we can, down. And, we can get and, into like the weeds on all this stuff. I I, I don't think anyone's going to disagree that you're seeing wage inflation moderate here, and I would agree with you that it's it's still elevated uh, and needs to come down more. It's not clear how much more it's going to come down, but it's moving in the right direction. And you've got some positive views on supply side that would would argue that you could get some more there. But no, that's what I would say is not true because the supply side dynamics improve and the unemployment rate keeps falling and quit rates are still ele elevated and openings are elevated. I don't know why that gives you a positive message unless you want to extrapolate that that supply side dynamic is going to continue in a way that it's going to by itself push the unemployment rate up. So I, I actually don't think the supply side, I think the supply side stuff is encouraging, but it's not doing the job of easing labor market conditions here. Well, but we are, again, I, this is where I went to. We are seeing wage inflation moderate. Yeah, but then the question is how much of that moderation is the unwind? That's what I said. Things. It's moving in the right direction. We are seeing improvements. That's, that's yeah. all I said. No, but you also said that the supply side of the, is, is improving in a way that will reinforce that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I you can see and viewers can see that what we're grappling around here really falls into this theme that we've been pushing, and that is this observational equivalence period, right? So uh, it's hard to distinguish between these two scenarios. And the reason these are important for us to debate, and as you pointed out, it's less about the near term. We've kind of checked off the box of, uh, I mean, I would say we're not out of the woods on the near term recession. Bruce, I mean, we did get a set of ugly industrial production data out of Asia. Our CapEx nowcaster has now come to a complete stall, suggesting businesses are slowing their pace of spending on some things, even if not labor markets. Um, I would also point out the employment, global employment PMI, while it did tick up, it's still kind of more on the, the kind of softer side. So that's a little bit of a, of a concern as well. So not out of the woods on the near term, but this issue of are we going to be kind of, you know, too much of a good thing? Like if we get through the next six months and things are kind of rolling along here, is the is the Fed and other central banks going to need to do a lot more? And of course, we had a lot well, of central bank meetings this week to. Uh, I, I think this is the into. big call, big and call. I really don't want to get over get into too much of what central banks said this week in the context of having they now have to respond, particularly the Fed, to the surprises. I think. Uh, part of the dynamic that we've been arguing is that the Fed is leaning towards a pause, uh, probably uh, not not uh, going to be followed immediately by the ECB. And I think you see that in this week's uh, story. But I think the issue really is the market has moved very uh, decisively towards thinking about easing following that pause, whether it be because the economy slides into recession or whether it be because of a soft landing scenario where they can pull back. Uh, certainly, the Fed has been rhetorically pushing back against that. Uh, but I think the point uh, I would make, and I think you would probably agree, is that 
if labor markets stay tight and you don't get a complete the complete slide in inflation like like you're you're musing on here that there is going to be pressure for the fed not only to hold rates where it is but possibly to go uh higher and i think that's you know, well, I think we, we did have... add we did add another 25 basis points to our forecast to put us more in line with the dots. I mean, in that regard, I, you know, I, I kind of we have this pause is not enough story. I'm not even sure they even get to a pause. I think we should probably rebrand that as five percent is not enough because yeah. I think it doesn't matter whether they don't pause or they pause and they hike sometime soon after. The important point is that the market just got it wrong in terms of the direction of rates once we get to 5% uh, from the uh, from the Fed. Uh, and that's obviously going to matter uh, a lot as to what the uh, outcome of this debate we're having on inflation and labor costs. But uh, it is harder for them to um, uh, to pause when they continue to see labor market tightening and continue to see job growth uh, as strong as it is today. Um, so this is going to be the dynamic that's going to start to play out in the um, in the meetings, uh, I think we have to also recognize that there is momentum upward in Europe. We can leave the China story to the side, but there is momentum upward in Europe. And where Europe's going to be three or four months from now is interesting. Uh, we're still sitting on our our growth estimates for Europe, but there is a risk that this dynamic takes hold. And I think the point you made earlier is quite important, is that the manufacturing sector still remains weak here, but there's some encouraging signs uh, in the January data that um, there is an inventory adjustment that's moving ahead. Uh, and maybe that is a signal uh, that the weakness in production combined with some modest pickup going on on the goods demand side, perhaps led by the US and China, yeah. um, is actually doing some good here. Re so, recognizing that within the surveys, I, I, the, the investment goods part of the, the survey actually moved back down to its lows. And that, I, that kind of feeds into our CapEx Nowcaster. And, you know, I think all last year we took a lot of comfort in the kind of almost Teflon resilience of business spending on the, on equipment. And that's, that's slowed a lot. I mean, as I said, it's come to a complete stall if you believe the CapEx Nowcaster. And then of course that was on the back of a uh, you know a kind of a very surprising fall in the equipment spending in the U.S. that we saw. Um, so I, I think that that's a concern. I think the consumer will have to wait and see. Um, uh, you know, we did get that motor vehicle sales report from the from the U.S. that that was encouraging. That was up like 18 percent in January, and we've been saying that with those cost of living adjustments uh, kicking in. Uh, with the fading of the inflation, that we should fade the weakness we saw in November and December. I think we got a little bit of a hint. Motor vehicles aren't the greatest forecaster of consumer spending, um, but uh, nonetheless, it's it's a move in the right direction. So that helps offset things. So I think maybe we'll um, we'll end it there because I'm I'm coughing too. I don't know if how much further I can go on on this. <laughs> um, so anyway. Um, been a pretty uh, interesting week, a uh, lot to come in terms of uh, tracking what's going on at the start of the year. Uh, but for now, I think it's pretty clear we're not falling into recession in the early part of the year. And we could then start to turn to this debate about how far we go down on inflation and how well central banks can be comforted uh, and think about a pause. Big issues uh, still to be debated. All right. From here, take care. Hope we can continue the conversation next week on JP Morgan TV.